ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 19 on the 19th of July. How fitting is that? What a coincidence. We didn't plan that at all, but next week, the big one, episode 20. We don't have any big plans at this stage, but that's a big number to be at, and we cannot wait to get to episode 20. But first, we have to introduce ourselves, me being Jordan Lorenz, and this man being the one and only Drew Skyberg, Drew. Tell the fans why this episode is so special. What are we doing here this week? Episode 19. We're going to be talking a lot of baseball this week, and we got a lot of good things planned this episode. I'm really looking forward to it. I know Jordan is too. Now let's get started. I mean, you came up with the idea of doing a midseason special, and we were going to do it as like a one-off special, I think. But I said, no, let's do it as the episode. NBA finals are kind of in a standstill where by the time Monday comes around, we won't really know what happens in itself. I mean, one team will have a three to two advantage, which is huge. But at the end of the day, nothing is set in stone. So episode 19, our MLB mid-season special here at the All-Star break. Don't forget, guys, summer sports spectacular. It's winding down this Wednesday, Super Bowl three. That's fitting as well because it's the third to last episode. We've got Super Bowl three. We've got a NCAA football game between Alabama and Miami. And then the other one is a, um, now I'm blanking. How Last week we couldn't remember college football. Now this week I can't remember the other one. We did. College basketball? Oh, yeah. yes, Indiana. The 1976 season. Good job. Good. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. Indiana, obviously, we don't know what happens there. But that is it. Summer Sports Spectacular. Three more episodes in. Those will always be up on the podcast feed for you guys to go and listen to. Please go ahead and do that. I mean, anytime you want, they'll always be there. Our YouTube channel will always be there as well. All the videos are up. Some do a lot better than others. But as of late, videos have been trending down a little bit. But we hit six hours view time on YouTube. So that's a nice little accomplishment. Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, our Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew up to 54 followers on there. Facebook, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. I know I've been going to some baseball games. So we're putting pictures of those up. We're hyping up the Bucks. A lot of fun stuff on there. Talking some brewers, obviously getting the podcast name out there, selling some merchandise. Don't forget, guys, our stickers, only a dollar. Drew, we still got some left. Yeah, we got some left, a dollar a pop. And if you guys want to buy some, you know, get them with your T-shirt. It's a great, great price. Oh, it's a steal. One dollar for a high quality sticker and I was going to put it on my name tag at work, but I don't think it fits. And like, there's nowhere on enough room for it. So there goes that idea. But other than that, the shirts, I mean, guys, we're trying. I haven't gotten any updates in a while. We haven't been ghosted. Don't worry. We're still getting these shirts. They will be in eventually. And if they're not in by the end of this week, then I'll give them a call. I'll be like, hey, where are these shirts? You told me the by after the 4th of July, not the 4th of August. So We'll get those shirts coming. Don't you worry. You paid your hard-earned money for them. And we paid, we're paid. we paying a lot, too, to get these things done. We're going to get them. And now it is time. The shout-out of the week, and it goes to Giannis. Game four block. Drew, this was insane. DeAndre Ayton going for the alley-oop. Uh-uh. Giannis swatted that thing out of here. Yeah, this shows how much Giannis cares about winning. He could have easily just let him dunk and be because, like, he easily could have dunk gotten dunked down on the play. And like eight out of ten NBA players would have just let the guy dunk. And that just shows Giannis. He just cares to win so much. He'll do anything to win. And as a Bucks fan, you just have to truly appreciate that. Hey, defense first, man. He's one of those guys. And 
sometimes you see the better players, maybe like a Devin Booker, don't really play defense. They just kind of go back and do their thing, but don't really try too hard. Giannis is a defense. I don't want to say defense first because he's putting up 40 points, but he really, really puts a lot of pride in his defense. And it goes a long way. It really, really shows. And he is fantastic and such a huge help. We'll talk all about the finals next week on the podcast. And hopefully by then the Bucks will have a ring and they'll have that Larry O'Brien trophy. And then I'll be buying merch. I'm sure Drew will be buying merch. The Bucks believer will be buying merch. What are you going to get if they win the finals? I'll be getting in a hat and a shirt for sure. Maybe a lanyard. I don't know. I'm thinking probably a hat is going to be the way to go. And I, you, you always got to get a shirt, you know? Have to. I mean, those are easier to get, though. You can go to Kohl's or whatever and get a shirt. But please tell me you're not a snapback kind of guy for hats. The flat brim hats, uh-uh. I do not deal with those. You don't like flat brim? No, not at all. I, I like flat brim. I can do a good flat brim. But, it, okay, it, it really doesn't matter to me that much. But I think for a sports hat, I'd rather have, like, a flat brim. I'll be honest. But I think for like any other hat, I'd rather not. So I'm looking right now. So to my right here in the office, there I have two sets of three rows of hat racks, right? The one in my room is full. There's nine on a thing. So that's 27. And now I'm looking in my office here to the right, and we've got eight, 12 here. And you know how many of those are flat brim? None. Not a single one. I had one a while ago and I got rid of it. So 20, I think 30, I basically have 40 hats at this stage. None of them are like that. And I don't know, not a fan. I just get whatever. That's that. You know, I'm a big hat guy, not a flat room guy. And Clay yelled at me for that as well. The Bucks believer. I deeply apologize. Won't be changing anytime soon. So it is now time for the stat of the week. A big one here. To start, we've got three baseball and a basketball. Speaking of Devin Booker, he set the record for the most points scored in his first career postseason. When he set the record, he was at 522 points, which is crazy. But you I know we've been talking. You're not a big Booker fan. Not a Booker fan at all. Well, uh, game, game four, July. So I would have been last Wednesday and July 14th. And just with Booker. I mean, he, he had seven fouls in the game, and he should have fouled out, but they weren't called, so he actually ended up finishing only with five. But just he, he's one of those guys, he will complain. He will get under, try to get under the ref's skin, try to get more foul calls for himself. And he you just – all you do, whenever, whenever the camera's on him, all he's doing is whining, and that's so annoying. He's got so much talent, and he's one of the best players, but it's hard to root for a guy like that. I know someone said he was more unlikable than KD and Harden, so – that's going a long way saying that, but yeah, the foul. I'm still convinced that once he got his uh, fifth and they pulled him, they pulled him and he was sitting on the bench. I'm convinced the ref came over and said, Hey, don't worry. We got you. You can do whatever you want. You're not falling out of this game. I mean, that's what it seemed like. If you see either of those two, no calls, undoubtedly they were fouls, but whatever NBA finals, it's rigged. We're going to have to deal with it. Buck still won game four. So that's all that matters. And now our baseball stats. His first one is crazy. The Angels of Los Angeles used all 20 of their draft picks on pitchers. All 20 of their draft picks on pitchers. Now, there's multiple things with this here. First of all, it's they're obviously looking ahead for the future. They need pitching help. And in the draft, it's 
different. It's not like an NFL draft or anything where you draft a guy and then boom, they're in the league right away, making all these plays. Baseball, you got to go through the process. You got to go through single A, double A, triple A, whatever, you name it to get up in the league. So this is a long-term planning at its finest. They're thinking of the future, but Drew, don't you think still you don't you don't need to draft all 20 as pitchers. You've got to get some other guys. Or are they just that confident in the farm system? Well, well, Jordan, the Angels are in an interesting situation right now. I mean, their offense is their offense is phenomenal. They got great pieces. Of course, they got Shohei Otani. I mean, Trout's injured right now, but like David Fletcher's been hot. Max Max Stassi's been a good a good sleeper guy. And but pitching's been their issue. They've allowed 461 runs this year. They've their pitching, their pitching staff, other than Otani, has been just miserable, and they're really looking for the future because, like, the pitching's what's holding this team back. They're forty-five and forty-four. They're fourth in the AL West, and they're look. They might waste another year with Trout and Otani. They're gonna have to. I mean, there's really nothing they can do at this stage. I don't. I obviously don't know the farm system that well, but I don't know who they'd be able to call up and change things around. You'd think they'd have that fixed by now, but uh-uh. Nothing. So we'll get to the all-star game later when we touch on it. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the youngest player to win the all-star game MVP. He did it. It was he's about 100 days younger than the other one who did. But still, I mean, hey, you're the youngest player to win it. So that's really, really cool. We talked about it last week, how the league's in good hands. All these young players who had their first all-star appearance. And I just saw Instagram post too, guys that are 22, 23, 24. It's really, really good to see. And the last one, the Brewers. They're paying Jackie Bradley Jr. $6,500,000 in the year 2021. We know the big contract he signed coming into this year. They are paying Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta a combined $5,117,960 combined for three of the best pitchers in the entire league. They're getting what, like 1.4 million less than the worst hitter in the league is? This is absurd. Yeah, Jordan, it is. And I got the Brewers wins above replacements up. Their top three guys for war this year, Brandon Woodruff, one, Freddie Peralta, two, Corbin Burns, three. So that just shows with JB and JBG's got a negative war. So I was going to say, he's got to be at the bottom of that. Yeah, so he, he's been terrible and 167 batting average and Oh, he's been, what a disaster so far. Might be one of the Stearns, Matt Arnold, worst, worst signings so far. I came in expecting bad, but not this bad. I mean, there's only so much you can say about the guy and how, sure, his fielding's fine, but pitching is going to win you games a lot more than an outfielder. So, JBJ, it's not like he's hitting walk-offs. I think he has one this year, but he's not doing it in big clutch situations, so... Nothing you can do there. Time to move on to on this day, July 19th, 2021 is our date. As we said, episode 19 on the 19th. And on 1910, Cy Young wins his 500th game of his career, which is crazy. The Cleveland Naps beat the Washington Senators 5-2 in 11 innings. Cy Young, the only pitcher in MLB history to reach this milestone. On this day, 1933, we talked about this in a other. It was another episode. I don't remember what it was, but this was two brothers on the same team. That one was right, Drew. And now this stat is opposite teams. Yep, correct. So this one, 1933, first time in MLB history, two brothers on opposite teams 
hit homers in the same game. Rick Farrell and Wes Farrell, one on the Red Sox, one on the Indians. So brothers playing against one another. And I don't know, Rick goes up to the plate, hits a dinger in the second inning, and then Wes is up in the third. He's like, whatever you can do, I can do better. Hits one himself. I mean, that's crazy. Fun stuff there, brothers. On the opposite teams, hitting dinger in the same game on the stay. 1973, the New York Mets future baseball Hall of Fame outfielder Willie Mays is named an NL All-Star for the 24th time. And Drew, you got some stuff on Willie Mays. Interesting guy. Of course, yeah, Willie Mays. He was a longtime Giant for the New York Giants and then the San Francisco Giants. And he's known for that great over-the-shoulder catch and polo, Jordan. I'm sure you've seen that clip. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get any better than that iconic just like i think this Giannis block is going to be iconic for maybe years to come i don't know but it, that's up there i mean certainly not the same but hey whatever in a big time situation on the state 1987 don mattingly sets the al record 10 consecutive games with an extra base hit those are video game numbers that is crazy hitting double triple or home run in 10 consecutive games on the state 1989 I don't know if you've heard of this, Drew. The NFL owners vote unanimously to form the World League of American Football. Does that ring a bell at all? Nope. No, I've never heard of this at all. It operated from 1991 to 2007, so I have no idea what this is. Obviously, it's like an XFL, or they had so many other football leagues. Now they have the one that was on Twitch. I don't even remember what it was. FCF, right? Fan-controlled football? Yep. There was another one, too. Um, AAF, the Alliance of American Football. And I forgot to mention last week, the XFL and the CFL, they're done. They're not talking anymore. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, I did not, Jordan. But I want to go back to something. The World League of American Football um, is was like an NFL Europe League. Oh, and it well, was that a- makes sense saying World League. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing right now. They're, they actually have... You know, similar sports spectacular episode eleven special. Maybe they got <laughs> they have games, Jordan. They have a full game. World League of American Football games on YouTube from the nineteen ninety one season, and like playoff games too. Oh yeah, let's find ourselves a big game to watch. We know the SSS is doing big numbers, so why not add another? On the stage, nineteen ninety one, Cal Ripken played in his fifteen hundredth consecutive game baseball is insane and for him to play in 1500 consecutive games that is absolutely crazy anything to say about ripkin or we moving on to some ripping dingers like you mentioned crazy numbers from the iron man himself so oh wow he yeah he deserves that nickname for sure so that's it weekly sports talk time and Weekly Sports Talk, we're talking about all MLB this week. Like we said, if you tuned in for NBA Finals Talk, just stay here, listen to this, but you're not going to get that until next week. So keep yourself tight, look pretty, and wait patiently as we talk some MLB here. We're going to talk about the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game, stat leaders, brewers, draft. We're talking about it all, and we're starting it with the Home Run Derby one week ago. Exactly one week ago, actually. This home run derby, our bracket drew, we got everything right on the top half, but the bottom half is where we really, really messed up. You went all in on Joey Gallo, and he lost in the first round by one home run to Trevor Story. Let's go through the first round, and then we can get to your thoughts. Trey Mancini beats Matt Olson 24-23, so very close there. 
Pete Alonso, 35 home runs, beat Salvador Perez by seven. And then Juan Soto knocked off Shote Otani. I told you, I think this upset could happen. We went, we went back on it. We picked the upset and good stuff. Soto with 31, Otani with 28. So, Drew, you watched the All-Star game. I was at a Booyah game, but what were you thinking? First round, Gallo goes out, Otani goes out, Pete Alonso, 35 dingers, looking beautiful. That man has so much power. Okay, so I got a few thoughts. I'm gonna start with my with my boy Joey Gallo against the hometown hero Trevor Story. Yeah, well, blah blah. You said he got screwed. Bad pitcher. Gallo got screwed. Yeah, Jordan. Listen, hear me out here. The dude, the dude's pitcher right now. He he would take way too long. So there's I'm just back up here. There's an umpire that would put his hand up to say to like stop the pitcher, like the a pitcher from throwing and then he'd like, he like point at him when he could go each time. Uh-huh. And Trevor Story's pitcher wasn't, wasn't following this as well as it should have been. And then Joey Gallo's pitcher was over following it. So he would wait. So he had a lot, la- he had a last second home run that it, it didn't count. He, it, it was, it wouldn't have counted. No, but the issue was all the pitcher had to do was just throw the ball like a couple seconds earlier. And we would have been tied. And the other issue I had was like, well, with that, but with Gallo, uh, I mean, he, it took a while to get, get warmed up um, was an issue, but uh, I felt so bad for Salvador Perez this night. He had one round. I mean, P Alonso goes first hits 35 dingers. It was ridiculous. One of the greatest rounds I've seen. And Salvador Perez, he has to try to hit 36 to win 35 to tie. And he gets the 28. He, he had a great round, but he got no praise from ESPN. All you heard was Pete Alonzo on with an interview the whole time. And it was, it was just frustrating for, I felt really bad for Salvador Perez. Yeah. He had 28 home runs tied for third best. And he didn't win in the first round. Mancini won with 24 story one with 20 and Perez with 28. Can't make it out. So that does, that doesn't sit well at all with that guy, but. I don't know. Also, speaking of ESPN and press and stuff, I just want to talk about Otani for a minute. I think after the All-Star break, getting a little sick of it, it's a little excessive, right? Dude loses in the first round of the home run derby, but they just talked about how he hit a big bomb, whatever, 500-some feet. Then they talk about how in the All-Star game, he pitches whatever. He ends up getting the win in the game because of his hitters, and he he's 0-2 in the All-Star game. Didn't do anything spectacular, but I think at this point... We're having a little too much Otani. I don't know if you agree or not, but Jordan, I totally agree with you. I'm so glad you brought this up. Um, with Otani, he like we've heard all the great things about. I, I mean, nobody nobody's done this since Babe Ruth, and he's doing this against a lot better competition than what Babe Ruth faced. And like, I I so respect that. I think he is a star of the league. I think he's a superstar, and it's just just in the All Star game though. He he shouldn't he d- shouldn't get a pass for his performance and like the all granted it's an all-star game, but he should be getting all this praise for going over two with two ground outs in the all-star game. It's just, it, that's not deserving. He should be getting praise for things he did great, such as his wonderful first half we'll talk about, which he deserves all that praise he's getting. But like during the all-star game broadcast, they were, they were trying to hype him up during this all-star game to attract the young audience for things that he, in the game, he wasn't really like, he wasn't really that effective. Like they should have been hyping up the like Vlad Guerrero Jr., who had a phenomenal game, and not Shohei Otani for his two groundouts. Hey, groundouts mean a lot in the All Star game, I guess. But 
I mean, at the start of the year, I was saying dude's not getting enough credit, but finally, once some people started talking about him, then everyone started talking about him. And unless you're Stephen A. Smith, you're a big fan of this guy and think he's the future. So I don't know. I mean, obviously he's great. Like you said, he's doing what no one else basically has ever done, or at least in a really long time. But it, it became a little much after the all-star game. I started to notice it. So we'll see what happens here in the second half of the season. I feel like he's got a lot more pressure on him too now because he's getting that mainstream attention. We'll see how it affects him. Round two of the Derby Mancini, just 13 home runs beat story with 12 and then Pete Alonso 16 beats Juan Soto with 15. These are close. Yeah, they, they were because what happened was the first guy goes first he hits. He like story went first. He hit 12 and then all Mancini had to do is hit uh, 13. So it wasn't like there's still time remaining, but like once oh, you hit okay. over, it just stops. So but, I like, understand fatigue no. was hitting in. You could tell with the core cores effect that like players were getting fatigued really, really fast. Yeah, I was going to say 12 and 15 home runs on the losing end. That's not a lot at all. And then in the end, Pete Alonso, 23 dingers beats Mancini with 22. Very, very close. It went to overtime, right? Uh, the finals did not know. Pete Alonso no? just walked it off. Yeah. Oh, I thought, it, I thought it did for some reason. Nope. Yeah, Alonso gets the job done. We didn't predict him going back to back. We had him in the finals. But anything else you want to say on the Derby? Any other things you noticed or... Any comments on Pete Alonso, polar bear, as you call him? I thought, yeah, I thought Pete Alonso had a great derby. Um, I, like, I, like you mentioned, we had him in the finals. I'm just really upset. I thought this this derby was built for Gallo. Gallo and Coors, it just was meant to be. And I just, I, I'm still shocked. When I watched him get eliminated in round one, my, my jaw just dropped. Yeah, I don't blame you. And like you said, if he did get screwed like that, that's on. Do you get to pick your pitcher? You do, right? You do. So again, like I'm, I thought about it more, Jordan, and I'm like, well, he picked the guy. I mean, he could, he could yell, he could fault the pitcher, but like, I mean, he, he's the one who chose him. And yeah, the pitcher probably feels guilty too. So I mean, they, they're just going to have to live with it, you know? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, I don't know if he's crying that he didn't win the derby or he got out in the first round. It's, it's a million it's bucks, still, Jordan. Is it that much? Yeah. They upped oh, it. I didn't. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, okay. And then I might be crying. So that sucks. I was his pitcher throwing good pitches at least to him? Nope. <laughs> no, it's so all around just a bad, <laughs> just a bad pitcher. We can't say enough bad things about him. So now time for the all-star game, which we predicted, and I was so close. I said five three AL was gonna win, and it was five to two. You said NL seven six, I believe. And that was not the case. The AL wins once again. I think they said eighth year in a row the AHLs won the All-Star game, which is crazy. It was in front of almost 50,000 people. Took exactly three hours, which is good. Corbin Burns, the losing pitcher. Two runs were given up. Both of those thanks to Corbin Burns. I mean, sure, it's the All-Star game, but as Brewer fans, you know, we don't get enough attention. And then Burns in the All-Star game does this. Not the best look. No, it really wasn't, Jordan. I'm really worried about Burns in the second half. I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but for or for our Brewers talk, we'll get but, to it. But yeah, okay, I agree. Yeah, I'm very worried. Yes, Corbin Burns, the losing pitcher. Shohei Otani gets the win. He only pitched the first inning, right? Um, I thought or he did. He go two. I think he might have went two. I think he went two. Now that I say it, and yeah. the starting pitchers on the NL side was Max Scherzer, so he goes in. 
home run for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As we know, he won the MVP for this. And right away, AL jumps out to a 2-0 lead. Then it's 4-0, and out comes back 4-1. And it's 5-1 at the top of the six. Bottom, or yes, and then bottom of the six, NL gets another. And that's it. Nine hits on the night for the AL, eight for the NL. Both teams had an error. So that's always fun in the All-Star game, getting an error. But Freddie Peralta, our brewer, comes into this game, 12 pitches, strikes out the side. And here's another reason I was a little upset. They're still talking about Otani because he got the win, but whatever. He didn't do a whole lot. Freddie Peralta comes in, 12 pitches, strikes out the side. The first two in three up, three down, three pitches, just like that. He did not get enough credit for what he did in this All-Star game. Yeah, he simply didn't, Jordan. I think... Well, I hope that everyone who watched the game on television or there at the game, I think they got to recognize effective Freddie is a pitcher to watch out for. I mean, they know all the NL big names, you know, with like Bueller, Kershaw, Scherzer, and then like guys who are like who have done great this year and like Wheeler and Gaussman. But like Woodruff and Woodruff, Burns and Peralta still need that more praise, I think. And of course, you know, I didn't even mention DeGrom yet because we can talk a bunch about him. But, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to him in the stats. But anything else with the All-Star game, or you want to go right into those? No, I, I thought it was, a, it was a great game, Jordan. Um, you know, some home runs. I, I wish there could have been more runs, considering it is in Denver. It was at Coors Field. but Correct. It, it was a fun game. I certainly – I love the intros. Intro is my favorite part when players get introduced, lineups. A lot, a lot of booze. Yeah, for the Dodgers. <laughs> yes, of course. I did. Oh, I did want to mention Liam Hendricks, right? He came in, got the save. He was mic'd up, but like the earpiece wasn't working. So they were trying to talk to him, but it wasn't going through. And the, even the catcher came up to him at one point and they were like talking and he's like, watch out, you're mic'd up. He's like, no, I haven't heard anything all night. And like he was on the mound. He dropped an F-bomb at one point. Yep. He was swearing a few other times. That's not a good look for the game. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But that was... That was all over Twitter, Jordan. That was oh, yeah. certainly a, a funny thing to see on Twitter. But this, it's always great. We talked about it last week where having players mic'd up. And sometimes I know you said you weren't a fan of it because you or was that for like certain. Yeah, games? no. And spe- well, obviously, in the all star game, it's fine. But I still don't want a pitcher mic'd up, even if it's an all star game. I feel like that's what like, what are you going to do? Are they going to tell you what pitch he's going to throw? Like, I don't know what they expect out of it. I, I don't know. I, I think it just try to get more interactive, you know, with the broad, like we can hear Joe Buck interview a guy while, while we're sitting at home watching, which one thing I do want to point out, Jordan, the all-star game was in 4k HD. That was, that was beautiful. That was, it, it looked like your hockey games that I, I sat through and watched. It was something else. Yes. It was absolutely beautiful present. Hopefully we get more of stuff like this. I don't know yes. if it was just a one-off where they were testing it, but new cameras or something, it was beautiful. And, that's basically at 5-2 AL wins in the All-Star game. I win our first ever All-Star game predictions challenge. That's That wasn't an official thing until now, but I'm going to give myself some credit for it. So moving on, what should we do next? The standings, talk about where teams are. Do you want to do standings and then stats or stats then standings? Standings and stats. All right, standings. We can kind of blow through this real quick, but... At the All-Star break, as we're recording on Thursday night, by the way, Red Sox and Yankees were supposed to play. Got canceled. I didn't even look into what happened. Why did this game get COVID. canceled? Um, COVID? We, I can briefly talk about it, Jordan, if you want. There's there's some COVID issues right now with the Yankees. Uh, Aaron Judge is actually one of the players to test the positive, so we're hoping that, can get, all, that can get all squared away because 
this is the first postponement for the Yankees or for MLB in general in over three months. So it was really under control, and now we got to deal with this. Yeah, and there's some stuff happening with the Olympics too I've been seeing. So not good. We don't want anything else happening. We already made it through halfway of the year. Let's just get through another half, guys. Can't be too hard. Red Sox is sitting atop the AL East. They are one and a half games ahead of the Rays. The Yankees, 46 and 43. They're in fourth place. Orioles, 26 games back from the Red Sox. So not doing well at all. The White Sox, 54 and 35. They're doing very, very well. They have the third best winning percentage in the entire MLB, as I was just looking at it. Eight games ahead of the Indians, Brewers and White Sox have a series coming up this week, which we will be discussing. And then the Royals in last place, 36 and 53, 18 games back from the White Sox. Sadly, the Astros are atop the AL West, 53 and 36. Athletics, three and a half games back on them, 19 and a half games back as the Rangers, who just never seem to have a good season. What's standing out to you in the AL? Red Sox having themselves a very good season. And White Sox, did you expect them to be this good? Yeah, I, I really expected the White Sox to kind of run away with the Central. Um, what surprises me really is the AL East right now, Jordan. Um, I think, yeah, I don't think anyone really expected the Alex Cora-led Boston Red Sox to really take, take this leap yet again and have just a phenomenal year. And then the struggles for the Yankees is something surprising, too. I mean, yeah, that's been a big run for me. Yeah, like the that AL East is stacked with. I mean, you like the Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox. Those all four of those teams could easily be playoff teams with their rosters and like what what each team has uh, talent wise. So that's that's really what stands out to me. I'm never going to complain that the Yankees aren't doing well though. So I mean, we can keep them there, have them plummet a little more. Red Sox, they're my second favorite team. I've been to Wrigley. I got their dirt. I mean, I love seeing them thrive in this season hopefully they can keep it up but al east very competitive certainly the most competitive out of the al as we go to the nl mets sitting atop the nl east they're 47 and 40 three and a half games up on the phillies mets phillies braves you know that's a trio right there seeing who could fight for it marlins only nine games back on the mets so i mean that division is the closest by far i don't want to say anyone can win it but Mets, we'll talk about him with some stats, and obviously Jacob DeGrom leading the way in pitching. He is a stud. NL Central, Milwaukee Brewers, 53-39, and 39, four games ahead of the Reds, and we know, we're like I said, we're recording this Thursday night, so things could severely be changed by then. They might sweep the Reds, or they might go win this, and the Reds might just be one game back, but Cubs and Cardinals, both eight games behind the Brewers, and I can assure you, no experts would have predicted that the NL Central at the All-Star game or at the All-Star break would see the Brewers up eight games on both the Cubs and Cardinals. Well, that's got to be a shock for, for many. And, like, I always had, I had some good trust in this Brewers team this whole year, Jordan, and even at the start because there was, there was some projection that came out that the Brewers were going to win 90-something games and run away with the Central, and everyone was like, what are they talking about? Well, this is what they were talking about, this Brewers pitching staff this Brewers mediocre offense that can still somehow generate runs. But like uh, that pitching is just something else for this Brewers, this Brewers team. That's what's keeping them alive. And once in a while, the bats get bats get hot. Look at this, the run differential. I don't know if you have this tab open, but the Brewers plus 46 run differential 
Reds plus eight, Cubs minus 24, Cardinals minus 40, and Pirates minus 122. So run differential is crazy. I didn't expect the Brewers to be up that much because of how close some of their games have been. That is very, very good to see as we look at the NL. Oh, go ahead. Yep, and one more thing, Jordan, I want to mention is with runs allowed for the Brewers, they've allowed 348 runs, and the next closest in the NL Central is the St. Louis Cardinals with 398. So that's a 50-run difference right there in runs allowed. That just shows this Brewers pitching staff something else. So good. We'll talk all about the core three, the trio, whatever you want to say. And, I mean, it can't be stressed enough how how much more ahead this Brewers team could be if we actually got some run support for these guys. I mean, we could have another 10 wins and like, that's not even exaggerating because of how close some of these games are. I mean, you've got Freddie Peralta allowing two runs and the Brewers lose like two zero or something. It's pathetic, but NL West, the giants, I mean, sitting atop only by two games, they're 57 and 32 Dodgers, 56 and 35. I would much rather see the giants go farther than the Dodgers. Padres six games back, and then the Diamondbacks 32 and a half games behind the Giants. So anything else for the standings you wanted to mention? Yeah, I want to mention with the NOS, that San Francisco Giants team just stands out to me. That is what that has to be the biggest surprise. They have the best record in baseball. Their old guys in Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey are back to their old forms. Crawford's actually having the best, one, probably the best year of his career. He's batting 290s. He's got 18 home runs already. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And when's the last time we've seen Buster Posey this good? Five, six years. I mean, granted, he's injured right now, but he's still having just a a standout year. And it's just great. I mean, it hasn't been five. It's been probably five, six years. Yeah, it has to be. It's been a long time. When I saw him, he was doing well this year. I was like, whoa, I didn't know he still played. I haven't heard of that guy in a long time. But now looking at some stats, right? We're just going to look at the MLB in general batting average, which we know the Brewers won't have any guys near. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., 332, sitting atop. It's very close at one, two, and three. Nick Castellanos, 331, and Adam Frazier at 332. NL Central guys in the top three from two terrible teams. And you're a big Frazier guy, right? You say he doesn't get enough credit, or is that someone else? Yeah, Adam Frazier to me is just the guy who stands out. I mean, he hits the ball hard. He doesn't strike out. He's an excellent second baseman. And I think the Pirates got treated. They're going to keep him, but if they traded him, Jordan, his value is through the roof right now. I agree. And unless it's like one of those things where he wants to get traded and he's like very vocal about it because he's on a losing team. But I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's fine being the star on a bad team because it just raises your stock. People really realize how good you are. Home runs. We mentioned it. Otani, 33 leading the league. Guerrero has 28 along with Tatis. Both of them are at 28. Kyle Schwarber has 25. Joey Gallo, your guy with 24 home runs. As for Ribbies, 73 at the All-Star break for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then Devers from Boston, 72 RBIs. Otani has 70, which is crazy. But hits-wise, Adam Frazier, there he is, 115. 115 hits so far to start the year. So looking at pitchers now, pitching leaders. For wins, Julio Urias and Kyle Hendricks both have 11, a Dodger and a Cub sitting atop that. Then there's a few with 10. Brewers will get to them, but they don't really have anyone that's 
super, super close. I mean, Woodruff and Peralta have seven, but that's still quite a big difference when you're going from seven wins to 11. And uh, it's crazy to say, but once again, how many more times these Brewer guys could actually have wins if they got run support, but you can't do much more than that. And now it's time. Jacob deGrom, he's got a 1.08 ERA blowing everyone out of the water. The next closest is a 173. Then you got a 199. And then Woodruff, 2.06. But from first to fourth, basically a one-run difference when it comes to ERA. Yeah, that's crazy, Jordan. Jacob deGrom, can't say enough about him. I, You'll hear about him in my awards show, trust me. He's there. He's there a couple times, maybe. But it's Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman, Jordan, with the 1.73 array, he is so under the radar. He, former Oriole, comes to San Francisco, San Francisco, tries to turn his career around, and that's exactly what he did in San Francisco. What a guy. Sitting second, 1.73. It's always fun to see how pitchers, they either keep this up or they just have a terrible second half. And then guys who had a terrible first half get their stuff together. And then in the second half, they come out very, very well. I mean, Save-wise, Josh Hader, 21 saves. I wanted to read this for the Brewers. As for their pitching staff, saves on the year. Hader has 21. Brad Boxberger has three. And Drew Rasmussen has one. So there is no denying Josh Hader is the closer for this team. Of course, the one Brewer game I was at, Boxberger, Boxberger got a save. I didn't even get to see Hader. I was at one of three saves for the year so far for Boxberger, but... 21 saves for Hader. He is fourth. Mark, how do you pronounce this last name? Mel, Mel, Mark, Mark, Mark Melanson. Melanson, 27 saves as he is first with saves. Liam Hendricks, 23. Kenley Jansen, 21, along with Hader. And then Craig Kimbrell with 20. So strikeouts, Garrett Cole, 147. DeGrom, 146. Wheeler, 145. Bauer, 137. And Freddie Peralta, 135. Can't ask for much more than that from Peralta. And Drew, it's time for your awards show. Here we go. My famous awards show, of course. Um, we got four awards I'll be doing, just a kind of a simple modified awards, awards ballot. Manager of the year. I got the NL and AL for each of these awards. The NL manager of the year, Jordan. It's gotta be Craig Council. It's gotta be you were gonna. It's gotta be Craig Council. He's led this team with such like with the offense they have, and they're able to win this. They've been able to keep this pace up. Just the way like he's made some great decisions, I think, with with pitching and like some like some of the situations he does. He plays matchups very well, and he's just he's just very clever manager. Um, then the AL manager of the year, Alex Cora of the Red Sox. I mean. Who could have predicted the Red Sox atop the AL East at the All-Star break? That was just a surprise to me, and I think I think he's the AL manager of the year right now. Next guy. I don't really think there's anyone else. and I mean, Council might be up in there for some people, but yeah, continue. Rookie of the year for the NL, Trevor Rogers of the Miami Marlins. He was an All-Star this, past, this year. We just saw him there, and... He's just a junkie lefty. We talked about him. He was on Drew's views, actually. So yeah, I, I, went, was. I went to depth of his numbers. He's got sub two ERA around there, and he's just strikeout numbers been high. Just a great, great pitcher for the Marlins so far this year. And then for the Rangers, AL, Adolis Garcia. 
He's been great this year. Center field. He was on Drew's views as well. He was also there. Yes, he was, Jordan. He's He's been hitting for power this year. We, we saw him in center, like I said, in the All-Star game for the Rangers. And he's been having a great year for a team in the cellar in the ALS. So that's good to see. And, Jordan, I got the Cy Young now. The NL Cy Young, Jacob DeGrom. Has to be. No doubt about it. And then the AL Cy Young, a guy we actually talked about before on the show already, Carlos Rodon for his excellent no-hittery through. He's kept it up. He's on a, arguably the best team in the AL, the number one pitcher. Him and Lance Lynn have been great this year for the White Sox, and I think he's I think he's the AL Cy Young right now. And I think Garrett Cole makes a convincing case after that excellent that excellent complete game he had and had against Houston with nine innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, no earned runs. And Jordan, I got the MVP coming up, and we're going to do some debate here a little bit for the NL MVP. I got Jacob DeGrom right now. I don't know. Who, who do you have? Well, I you you said that, and, you know, I, I'm not against it, right? But it, are they going to give it to a pitcher at the end of the day? Jordan, history – Sometimes repeats itself here, and hear me out. We saw Kershaw win it in 2014. We saw Verlander win it in 2011. And I think if a pitcher is going to win the MVP award, this is the year to win the MVP award. His whip, Jordan. I'm just. I just gotta say, it, 0.543. That, it's unreal. That just, all those if, numbers are mind blowing. Oh my goodness. If he can keep this up, I think he will. Honestly, they might give Otani MVP if he has a killer second half, which I think everyone would die. But if DeGrom can keep this up, I think if he doesn't win MVP, he would get screwed. But I think if he does win MVP, people would be like, eh, but was it 2014? Was that the last time you said a pitcher won? Yep, 2014. I think this might be the year. I, I think it's got to be. Well, Tatis is the other guy who I think rivals him. And the reason I don't think it can be Tatis is, I mean, we're seeing him put up this, these stellar offensive numbers, which like his OPS is over a thousand and he's got 28 home runs, but Jordan, Jacob DeGrom, he's been able to, he's been able to just hit. He's been, at, he's been able to hit like at a high rate too for a pitcher. And just with Fernando Tatis, what really holds him back is his defense. I mean, looking at his defensive stats right now, Jordan, his, he's got 19 airs already. So he already has more airs than he did in his full 29 in his 2019 year. And his fielding percentage is, Nine or nine twenty eight, not not good. Defensive run saves, he defensive run saved, which is kind of like defensive metric. He's got he's minus twelve, so he's like costing his oh. team's runs defensively. So that's not good to see. And I think if we if we would have been seeing Tatis play gold gold glove level defense and like put up some like good defensive advanced stats, I think you could t- certainly see him as NL MVP. But I think. What we're seeing out of him right now defensively and what we're seeing out of Jacob DeGrom offensively, I think I think it just it has to go to DeGrom. That is a good point that not a lot of people bring up is DeGrom's hitting. Dude's got a high batting average for a pitcher. Granted, you don't have as many at-bats, but still, he can rake. I mean, he's not hitting home runs every game, but he is doing phenomenally well in situational hitting. I looked it up. Luis Urias has 16 errors, so that's a guy the Brewers hate and get all over. He doesn't even have as many errors as Tatis, so... Defense is indeed holding him back, like you said. Who knows what's going to happen if he gets worse? Because how much worse can you even get defensively in the second half of the year? But Jacob DeGrom keeps this up. He's the MVP. 
Exactly, Jordan. And my AL MVP is Shohei Otani. And the reason being is the what he's doing on both sides, like pitching-wise, and then as, as a hitter. I mean, it, like we mentioned, this is unheard of, Jordan. His OPS is also over 1,000, 33 home runs already. He already set the single-season record for most home runs by a Japanese player. Already set that record. It was 32 by Dicky Matsui, and he already broke it. And it's the all-star break. So just stats like that, Jordan, th- this guy is nuts. Even and, if he doesn't keep it up, he's already broke so many records and has done so many things. Like, he's fine for this year. Yeah, he really is. And I think you can make an argument for Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. But, I mean, Otani, I mean, he's, he's pitching. We mentioned he had a high three ERA, but, like, that's kind of inflated. He had a one bad start against the Yankees that really drove that up. But I think this guy, we've talked about him enough. I'm sure, I'm sure our, our audience has heard enough about him. But like, come on, he's been, he's been nuts this year. Yeah, there's nothing else to say about him. I mean, like, what else could you possibly say about Otani that hasn't been said already? I don't think there is anything. And Not much. hopefully, hopefully they don't beat him to the ground. But Stephen A. Smith, you obviously heard what he said, right? Yikes! Yeah. Um just terrible terrible for journalism that was a disgrace i mean i think otani's a superstar i think he is he could be the face of baseball i think he is right now and i think i think no matter what what language you speak and just who you are i don't, I don't think that should matter i think we all speak the language of baseball and that's what matters i have a stat on stephen a smith i have to scroll up here and find it but it is just not good at all this here it is at $12 million annually, Stephen A. Smith makes more in total compensation than anyone at ESPN. This $12 million annually is more than any NBA coach, any NCAA coach, and anyone on the back-to-back NHL champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, this oh my terrible. goodness, Jordan, that is... That, that that could be a stat of the week because that's like a bad like we don't like that stat but like I no. mean that just uh, I that bothers no me. one should get paid that much to run their mouth and he only says controversial things to get attention on himself yeah, he watches Stephen A's world on ESPN Plus what human is actually taking time out of their day to watch that I don't know I just I, those talking heads that make those those that millions and millions of dollars I just I, I can't believe it. It's unreal. It's, I mean, hey, go them, right? They get paid to talk about nothing, but it's ridiculous. So now it's time for the Brewers talking about stats. We'll take a break from stats and we'll talk about their transactions from the year. So I picked out some of the main ones, right? I didn't, I didn't put the JBJ signing in here. We've said enough about that. But the first one, I just want to know your thoughts on this as we're basically halfway through the year. Back on April 6th, the Braves traded Patrick Wego and Chad Sabatka to the Brewers for Orlando Arcia. So what are you thinking? Are we missing Arcia that much halfway through the year? No, we are not. <laughs> we saw him in left field for the Braves. I mean, Braves are going to need him now with the Acuna injury. But, I mean, they got Jock Peterson too, but, like, I, we're, not, we're not missing Arcia. I really was rooting for the guy, but his time was up. It was, and I'm a big Arcia guy as well. As I said, he signed one of my baseballs, so I got that for him forever, but – I don't know. At the end of the day, getting two pitchers, much better off. Speaking of pitchers, May 11th, Jordan Zimmerman retired. I put that in here because it came out of nowhere, and he was like still up in the air. He pitched for us in one game, but 
I don't know, Jordan Zimmerman, what would he have even been doing for this team? Like, would he have been that much of a factor if we try and make a run? No, I think he would have been that middle reliever guy who eats up innings in a blowout. To be yeah. honest, that, that's where he was in his career. It's, I don't think we lost a whole lot in him retiring, but still, that's something big that happened. May 21st, Tampa Bay Rays trade Willie Adamas and Trevor Richards to the Brewers for J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. So Rasmussen actually started a while ago. I don't know if he's still being a starting pitcher, but J.P. Fireisen is a huge miss for this bullpen. We've got Devin Williams, who's been doing well. we got Hader, who's phenomenal, but choked up a little bit lately. You've got Boxberger, but in that middle reliever role, really missing a guy in Fireisen. Williams-Hader was that one, two, three combo. In return, we got Trevor Richards, who we know did not work out at all. 3-0, luckiest man in baseball. But he's gone at this point. It, this was all about Willie Adamas and the Willie Adamas effect. Yeah, the Willie... <laughs> That's exactly right, Jordan. The Willie Domus effect is what's going on. His OPS since joining the Brewers, which we mentioned that stat where it was over a thousand at away ballparks, Jordan. This year with the Brewers, so far in 48 games, it's 909 right now. And he's arguably been the offensive MVP for this team so far. And it's just he's just such a great addition. And I some some of the um people who don't know anything about the Brewers were talking about Willie Domus, I heard, and they were just like, This guy's hitting over his head. He's not going to be, he's not going to keep this up. And I, I'm just thinking myself, I'm like, he's proven that he can hit, he can hit outside of Tropicana. So I don't know where that, where they're getting that stuff from. I don't know. They're just making it all up on the Stephen A. Smith, but this next one, I also, I got to say I was wrong. I didn't know if Willie Thomas would be an everyday shortstop, but boy, has he been doing well. So May 26, long overdue, Josh Lindblom, was DFA'd. We do not miss Lynn Bloom in the slightest. No, we don't. That might have been one of Stern's. We were talking about some of Stern's uh, bad moves along with the actual GM now, Matt Arnold. But this one, this one's got to be up there too. It was like a three-year, $9 million deal or something from a guy in Korea who pitched. Well, he started in the majors. Then he went to Korea, found himself again, came over, and terrible. I mean, he's nothing. Yeah, it was such a gamble for the Brewers. I mean, they're hoping it paid off, but it hasn't, and I don't think it will. I don't think it will. It's such a different aspect in Korea to hear it. Like, it's really not even close. One guy could be the best player by far over there, and he could just be mediocre here. So June 12th, two things happened. We took a big hit. Travis Shaw went on the 60-day IL, and, I mean, we got Urias, who's kind of utility guy, playing all around at third base, but – Shaw was hitting all right to start the year, and then he kind of averaged out, wasn't doing the best. But I still think this team misses Travis Shaw. I, th- I think so, too. I think being able to have him and Arias kind of do a sort of a platoon game, I think that would be so valuable to this offense. But not having that, I think the Brewers should – I think it's possible they go out and trade for a third baseman or first baseman, even with the, the, the transaction I mentioned next in the Telez trade. Or- yes, well, yeah, we'll get to the Tellez one after this, but real quick, the Angels traded Hunter Strickland to the Brewers for cash, and that's pretty big. We got Strickland. I think it was for a lot of money, but still just getting another reliever in the bullpen. We're going to see a lot more out of Strickland in the second half. Yeah, we sure will, Jordan. I mean, this is when when we need people to eat up some innings and also talking about more trade deadline, guys. I think I think they certainly could go out there and get an, a, a middle reliever or setup man to Hater along with Williams. That would be nice. You can't have Williams hater every time. I mean, people are going to watch the film and get right through it, but 
Next, the big one last July 6, just a few short days ago, Blue Jays traded Rowdy Telez for the Brewers for Bowden Francis and Trevor Richards. We did this last week on the podcast, actually, but huge trade for us. Rowdy Telez, we're still getting a feel for him and what he's going to be, but let's transition into trade deadline talk real quick. We kind of touched on it before, teased it a little bit. I still think we need to go out and get a first baseman because Telez. Hira and Vogelbach, it's just, it's, it's not going to cut it. No, it's not Jordan. And I think I got a few guys in mind. I mentioned CJ Crone already from the Rockies, but I don't think that that's going to happen now. I think they're going to go out there. They're going to get one guy. I'm going to mention again, Joey Gallo has experience at first base Jordan, but his strength is outfield. And he also has some experience at third. Like you could play this guy. I think, I think if they went out and got him, I think you could totally see him at first. Even though his defense, he's so valuable in the outfield. Uh, another guy, I got two more guys, which I have one crazy scenario, Jordan. I mean, Chris, we know Chris Bryant's on the block. There's no way they trade him to a, a rival in the Brewers in division. But, like, if you think about it, he's exactly what the Brewers need a right handed I mean, third baseman. I mean, it depends what the Brewers would give up for that because I feel like if the price was right, the Cubs would kind of have to jump on it because they need to do something at this point. But I don't know. That would be big. And also with Joey Gallo, what if, scenario here, what if they traded for – I don't know, what would they even have to give up to get Gallo? They'd have to give up a few big-name prospects at least. Like we would see – we wouldn't see any – I don't think any of the draft picks that we have, but we'd see, like, Ashby, you know, that guy. Like, we, we would see him small. gone. We'd see Small gone. We'd see some of our top guys be gone right away. But scenario here, just thought of it. What if they get him, and for, like, you know, a year or so, he plays first, third, kind of juggles around as needed, and then once Kane and JBJ are gone, put him in the field. Yeah, I, I'm all for that, Jordan. I think him – well, like, his arm, his he has insane arm strength, I think. He could play center field. Like, you could play this guy so – he's so valuable, like, defensively and offensively. You know, having a left-handed bat, you know, in the in the offense too, that I think that would be a plus. And I really hope they'd go out and get a guy like him. And then I also got a pitcher, Jordan. I don't do anything else. But no, no, go for it. I got a guy from the Minnesota Twins and Taylor Rogers, a left-handed pitcher. I think he would fit perfectly, Jordan, in a setup role. to He'd compliment Williams, the righty. I think – I, I think if you get him, I think we wouldn't have to see Suter pitch in a big game, which nothing against Brent Suter, but he shouldn't be pitching in big games. And then Rogers' numbers this year I want to touch on as well. I mean, he's got a 3.35 ERA this year, which, I mean, it's all right, but he has 54 strikeouts in 37 and two-thirds innings. So I think Taylor Rogers is a guy, is a candidate. I think the Brewers most likely trade for a guy like this. I'm a big Brent Suter fan. He actually leads the team in wins. I don't know if you're aware of that, but he is, you shouldn't, obviously, like you said, you shouldn't have him in extra innings towards the end of the game. That's not really his role, but middle reliever, I feel like any Brewers podcast you listen to or any Brewers account is going to tell you, this is kind of the spot where we're lacking. We got the starters besides guys like Hauser and Lauer. We've got some good starters to win a series when it comes playoff time. We've got the closers, you know, you've got your hater, you got your Williams, you got your Boxberger, whoever you need there. But once it comes to that middle rotation, there's so many names that are kind of 50-50. And Justin Topa, he's going to be back soon. I mean, he's preparing himself, right? We're going to get him soon enough. Yeah, he's going to be a big guy to have back. And 
I mean, we have some guys in the middle relief who have stepped up, Jordan, and like Jake Cousins has been phenomenal. He hasn't given up a run yet in his like seven, eight appearances. Miguel Sanchez has been big. Like those two guys have been phenomenal pieces in the middle relief. And I think having Topa back, that even strengthens that depth there. I hope he does well when he gets back. And now we're going to look at some stats from what we mentioned some bits already. But when it comes to this Brewers team, Avisel Garcia leads the way hitting 256 average. That is our top hitter, a 256. Garcia has the most home runs and ribbies, 16 and 55. So he's sitting atop one of our best hitters along with Narvaez. But Luis Urias has played in the most games, or he's had the most at-bats. I should say he might have played in the most games as well, actually. Let me look. Yeah, he's played Four more than JBJ. Urias has played in 86 Brewer games so far this year, which is crazy because people were hating all over him with everything that happened. But when it comes down to it, Luis Urias is finally finding himself. He really is, Jordan. And I think him out of layoff spot, I know the average isn't there, but he's found ways to get on base. I mean, he's getting a lot of extra base hits. I mean, out of layoff spot too, he's got 42 RBIs. That's, that's awfully impressive. But I think... Like Omar Avais, I mean, he's banging 300, but he doesn't have enough at-bats to qualify. But the two guys I mentioned, I think Narvaez, Narvaez and Ar- or Garcia and and then also um, William Thomas, I think those three guys have been the three offensive guy MVPs. And I think Yelich, I mean, he's getting on base. We just got to see that slugging up at a 369 only, which is not good at all for his standards. No, and I mean, Narvaez has 213 at-bats, so that's not the worst. He's still batting 300 with that, and when it comes to Yelich, uh, he's got, let's see here, he's got 187 at-bats in 59 games played. You're looking at a guy who's hit five home runs, 24 RBIs, but I don't know. It just seems like that power, it's, I don't want to say it's gone, but it's been missing for a while with Christian Yelich, and I don't know what he's been hitting pretty well lately, but I don't know when or if we're ever going to get the old Christian Elch back. I I think Jordan, I think the second half is a perfect opportunity for him to wake up and get those extra base hits back. I mean, it is, but will he is the question. That's what it always comes down to. So anything else hitting wise, or you want to look at some pitchers? Let's look at our pitching staff, Jordan. 2.06 2.06 ERA for Woodruff, as we said, 135 strikeouts for Peralta, as we said, 25 saves for Josh Hader, as we said. I mean, these are so, these stats are so nice. You just want to read them over and over again. Brandon Woodruff has pitched 113 innings and he has a 2.06 ERA. So he is looking phenomenal there. Seven and four record for Woodruff of his 18 starts. He has 14 quality starts. Freddie Peralta has pitched in 18 games, 17 of those starting appearances. He has 10 quality starts. He's seven and three, 98 innings pitched and Peralta has allowed almost the most home runs when it comes to starting pitchers. But if you want to look at a guy who really allows a lot, look no further. Adrian Hauser, 11 home runs, 3.74 ERA. I mean, I will talk about Burns here real quick because Corbin Burns is hitting a mighty fine win-loss record four and four right at the middle. I mean, there's nothing this man can do. He gets quality starts, pitches well, and the Brewers just don't have any runs for him. He's pitched in 87 innings. Only nine of his 15 starts are quality starts, but 
Corbin Burns is a guy. I mean, obviously, I'm way more concerned about Hauser, Lauer, stuff like that. But Burns is a guy. We just don't know if he can keep this pace up. No, we really don't, Jordan. And the concerning stuff is like with the with the sticky substance situation that we talked about. And ever since that, the foreign substances, that stuff's being checked. His his spin rate on all of his pitches have have gone down. His strikeout rate's down. His walk rate's up. And, I mean, I know it was the All-Star game. We saw him give up two runs in the All-Star game. It's just I'm hoping he can keep up that 2.36 ERA with the excellent strikeout numbers. But I, I don't know if it's practical, Jordan. And I, I hope I hope this Brewers staff can keep pitching the way they are considering – their fifth starter has a 3.83 ERA, and their sixth starter, they are going six guys with Brad Anderson, has a 4.33 ERA. So, like, those are great numbers for a pitching rotation, and I'm hoping that they, they all, all six of them can keep it up. Yeah, I like Anderson more than Hauer and Lauer, but I don't know. That's Once you get past the three starters, or if you're the other team, you're smiling all day when you see another guy coming up. Brad Boxberger has actually pitched in the most games. He's got 40. Hader and Williams with 37, Suter with 35. So in the 35 games Suter has played, eight of those, he came out with a win. He's got four losses as well. So 12 decisions on the year for Suter. But when it comes to these starters, once again, I said I had a controversial take, but as we're moving along, I don't know how much, I don't know how controversial it is anymore, but I think Freddie Peralta is a better pitcher than Corbin Burns. And I'm going to explain a little bit about this here. So, Freddie Peralta, Carbon Burns, we know how bad his 2019 season was, right? Everyone has talked about it and how he's rebounded well. He's doing terrific things. But Corbin Burns starts the year, I don't even remember, 50-some strikeouts to one walk. Like, it was insane how he started the year without allowing a walk. And sure, that stat's cool and all, but it doesn't translate to winning games. It doesn't translate to getting runs on the board for your team. It doesn't really translate to allowing runs either because – Freddie Peralta has allowed a heck of a lot of walks, 44 to be exact, but his ERA is still just 2.39. I mean, it's still not high at all. Freddie Peralta has been third wheeling of sorts between Werdorf and Burns. He doesn't have that sort of pressure on him, and I think it is greatly benefiting him, and he is pitching so well. Yeah, I, th- I, I actually, Jordan, I, I agree with you. I think Freddie Peralta, I think from – from coming out of nowhere, I mean, he truly has got to be like the breakout candidate so far, like the number one breakout guy in this first half for a starting pitcher. I mean, he came out of nowhere, and his strikeout numbers, I know they're not as great as um, Burns' per nines, but I think Peralta has been the more consistent pitcher. I, I know with walks he's had some issues, but I think Peralta, I think his second half, I think we can totally see this continue with, I mean, his, his spin rates haven't dropped as severe as Burns has, and I, th- I I truly think Peralta could keep this up. And I mean, I, I know Woodruff and Burns are kind of like the two group together, like you mentioned, but I think it certainly needs to be at least three now with those three together, because when Peralta's doing as good as Burns and, and arguably better, I mean, it's got to be three. I think it's going to be Woodruff as our one pitcher and Peralta's our two come the end of the year. So quote me on it if you really want. Anything else? Or are you, we ready to talk about this draft? Let's talk about this draft, Jordan. Good things. Good things. So outfielder Sam Freilich, first round, 15th pick. He came from Boston College. He is an outfielder. And, you know, first I was like, why are we signing an outfielder? I don't really get it. I didn't expect it, I guess. But, you know, you brought up some good points to me. And at the end of the day, it's not a bad pick at all. It's really not, Jordan. He does things He does things well that the Brewers need. I mean, 
he's a speedy outfielder and he's he's contact first kind of guy and he bat 359 his junior junior year at Boston College and what he's going to do Jordan I mean this team right now they're third in the league third in the major league baseball with the third most strikeouts as a team and granted I I know he's only guy out of college but I mean a few years hopefully we can see this guy up here because Kane might Kane's gonna be gone a few years and I think he'd be a perfect replacement for Lorenzo Kane. Are you more high on Freilich than you are Garrett Mitchell? I think both those guys are are great. I think Freilich has some better tools with I mean he was defensive player of the year or defense for the conference and I, I think I think he has chances to be better with some of the tools he brings to the table. All right, well, we're going to see. I mean, Mitchell flew through the Timber Rattler system. He's at Biloxi. Biloxi did I say Biloxi? Biloxi, you know. So who knows what's going to happen with him. I'm going to go just through the first five rounds of these picks, just saying, guys. Next, they got second baseman Tyler Black with the 33rd pick. He's from Wright State. Left-handed pitcher Russell Smith in the second round, 51st pick. So that's a big pick up there. Third baseman Alex Vanellis, 86th pick. Right-handed pitcher Logan Henderson, 116th pick in the fourth, and then a shortstop, Ethan Murray, in the fifth round. And then from there, they got a right-handed pitcher, an outfielder, second baseman, right-handed pitcher, catcher, outfielder, left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, slash infielder, outfielder, left-handed pitcher, shortstop, catcher, right-handed pitcher, left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher. So it's far from picking 20 pitchers like the Angels, but... Overall thoughts on this draft class and any other names you wanted to mention? Yeah, I got a few more guys I got to mention, Jordan. Uh, I want to mention Russell Smith, the left-handed pitcher they got out of TCU. He's six foot nine, Jordan. I don't oh, know if you that's know that. him. Yeah, that's I didn't the, know who it was. That's the but... boy. Big boy. Um, they dropped a lot of guys out of college this year, which is which is going to be good for the Brewers, I think, because these guys are going to develop faster. I mean, the first guy they drafted was out was I believe the eighth or ninth pick so out of high school so that's quick and then also you mentioned Alex Bindless I believe something um, like that out of Louisville he's actually from Wisconsin so he he grew up as a Brewers Bucks Packer fan and now look look where he got drafted he's going to be playing for he'll probably be playing for the Tim Rattlers awfully soon so I mean that's going to be cool to see Jordan and I hope hopefully he can make it way through the Brewers minor league system maybe come up and be with the the big team one day. That would be awesome. My last question here. So on, I'm on brew crew, brew looking at this. So for a guy like Carlos Rodriguez, it says he's from Florida Southwestern state college. And then in parentheses, it says JC one, like obviously other guys, it says JR junior SR senior JC one. Do you know what that means? Um, I'm not, I'm actually not sure. Jordan, I think is that junior college. I, it could be, I think it could be junior college first year. That, okay, that one was throwing me off. First year would make sense now that you say it, but otherwise, yeah, it just says junior. I mean, I, I don't know. I, cause there's another JC one for San Jacito College North. That's where Hunter Holland came from. And it says that as well. And Cisco JC. So, I mean, yeah, these aren't big name colleges. So maybe that's what it is, but. Otherwise, I don't really know. So what else you got here? Are we are we basically done? I think we're basically done. I think we touched on a lot of a lot of great guys they got. I mean, I just want to mention I'll quickly Tyler Black, power hitting second baseman. I, I, I know we got Colton Wong, but I obviously this guy's got a few years to come. So 
Looking forward to him as well. Yeah, and who knows how long we're going to have Wong. Honestly, he, I don't. I hope he stays. He's been doing a lot of good things for us, but injury-wise too, kind of creeping up on him. So no trivia this week, but last thing we're doing is our Brewers Prediction Challenge. We don't know what happened with the Red Series. We're recording ahead of it, but July 19th through July 25th, only five games for the Brewers. They're easing their way back into it. They play the Royals on the 20th and 21st, and then they play a great White Sox team on the 23rd through 25th. So five home games coming up this week, and I feel like a 2-3 and three record is perfect. Ooh, Jordan, I see what you did there. I'm going to go I'm gonna go 3-2. and two. I think they sweep the, the two-gamer against the Royals. I think they, they, they only win one against the White Sox in that three-game series. That's fair. It's just I think they'll split it with the Royals because that's how two-game series usually go. And then, you know, it's going to be questionable if they can win two against the White Sox. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But if the Reds went two and one or better over the weekend, this predictions challenge is seven to six. Drew would be right back in it after my hot start. And that's all we got this week, guys. It was a lengthy one. Our MLB talk. Hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, we're on YouTube or on Instagram, or on Facebook. We've got stickers for sale. Let us know if you want them. We'll keep you guys all updated on the shirts as we know more. Drew, where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. Jordan Law underscore P-X-P for me. Big week for the Bandits. They got home games on t- or tomorrow and Wednesday. They've got some home games, and they only got one other game before the playoffs, so I, it's a big time for the Bandits as they look to go back to back to back. But that's all we got. Thank you all for listening to episode 19 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.